Welcome to the Learning Shared Podcast. Hello, my name is Alan Wood and I'm your host. Thanks very much for listening. So Learning Shared is a space for anyone with an interest in supporting the needs of vulnerable learners in our society, including those with special educational needs and disabilities. We'll be hearing from and talking with a wide range of colleagues and stakeholders, including teachers, specialist practitioners, school leaders, researchers, as well as parents and carers. They'll be sharing creative, inspiring ideas, effective practice and things they've learned along their journey. With that in mind, please get in touch if you'd like to suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. You can visit us at www.learningshared.org or tweet us at underscore learning shared. The Learning Shared podcast is brought to you by Evidence for Learning and the EFL Send community. This is a growing community of teachers, practitioners, school leaders, researchers and academics that support children, young people and adults with special educational needs and disabilities or indeed any form of additional learning needs. You can find out more about the EFL Send community and Evidence for Learning at www.evidenceforlearning.net. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another of the Learning Shared podcast series that explores the recovery curriculum in action in a variety of settings across our country at this time of the coronavirus pandemic. Today we're going to hear from the team at Whitfield Aspen School in Dover, a very unique school. In my experience, the school that is the exemplar of inclusivity that genuinely facilitates shared learning between children of all abilities in a primary school setting. You're going to be hearing today from Jason Cook, the executive head, accompanied by Ali Erskine and Anne Mason, who are the heads of school within the organization. So I'm going to hand over to that team straight away and ask Jason to welcome you to Whitfield Aspen and to talk you through the concept of how that school is structured. And then we'll hear from Ali and Anne about their particular roles within the school structure. Morning, everybody. Morning. Thank Morning. you, Barry. Uh, so welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm Jason Cook, head teacher at Whippet Aspen School in Dover, as Barry said. Um, we're a unique school in terms of we have uh, 130 children within our specialist resource provision, which caters for children with profound, severe and complex needs. And learning alongside them in the same building, we have 370 main school children. And we are a truly inclusive school. We have our um, learning together with aspiration, imagination and determination at the heart of everything that we do. And that's for all the children and staff throughout the school. Uh, we've got 150 plus staff, uh, which of course uh, brings its own set of challenges. And currently we are awaiting the new extension to our school of 13 new classrooms. So uh, yeah, uh, it's challenging times. Uh, we are, we're fairly full and with the latest guidance from the government, we are looking how we're going to fit our children in. So, yeah, that, that's our school. In a wider context, we have a strong collaboration with KSENT, which is the Kent Special Educational Needs Trust. 
And uh, we also have close collaboration with some local schools, primary schools, part of the Samphire Learning Hub, and we have nine schools involved in that. Uh, and because we're part of the KSENT group, we also have close links with the Dover Deal and Sandwich Specialist Teaching Learning Service. So that, I think that's, that's us, Barry. Thank you very much. So, Ali, would you like to explain your role for us, please? Hi, yes, it's an amazing role. Um, I'm lucky enough to be head of school for Key Stage 1. Um, so that encompasses the mainstream primary school and the children um, who are Key Stage 1 and the specialist provision. Um, it's exciting in Key Stage 1 because inclusion happens very naturally for those uh, young children. Um, so although each of the children will have their own class base, some children will be accessing the special provision some of the time, some of the children will be accessing mainstream some of the time and everything that goes on in between. Uh, some children will wander around the school and find the class that is the most interesting of the day um, before they go back to their class bases. Um, yes, uh, early years is um, very, very inclusive. Um, and obviously, as the demands of the curriculum increase, the sort of opportunities for meaningful inclusion change and develop, and that moves on obviously up into key stage two. So as the new school expansion um, hopefully comes online, uh, the key stage one children will remain within this current site. So um, we're not thinking necessarily about moving into a different site. We will just be thinking about creating new spaces within the current site. So yes, that's me as head of school key stage one. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic opportunity for you all. Anne, yeah. would you now like to share with us your role, please? Okay. Hi. Um, my name is Anne Mason, and I'm head of school for Key Stage 2. Again, mainstream and special provision. And although my background was very much mainstream before I came here, it's, I've learned so much since I came to the school about special provision and special school teaching. And Ali and I work very closely. Um, it's a fantastic school to work at in terms of, you know, the benefit, seeing at first hand the benefits of inclusion. And as Ali said, the curriculum does become more challenging as the children go through the school. But even some of our mainstream year sixes, it's amazing to see how much they get back from interactions with some of our most profound and complex children. And I wouldn't have believed that until I worked here. So it's been a great experience working here. Thank you, Anne. That's, that's tremendous. Well, today we've got this great opportunity to share how the recovery curriculum is actually in action in your school. I know it accords very easily with the, the philosophy, the aims, the principles on which you've built the fantastic school that Whitfield Aspen is. So thinking of these unbelievable last two plus months, the journey we've all been on in our personal lives as well as professionally, um, I wonder if you could describe for us, please, uh, and you might each want to make a contribution here, on what are some of the things you've put in place to enable your children to continue to be successful learners during this period and, and ways that the families have been involved um, in that journey with you too. Um, Jason, do you want to kick us off there? Yeah, I think that um, if we're looking back at the last two months, I think 
that um, logistically, I don't want to perhaps use the word nightmare, but I'm going to. <laughs> uh, I think it's been a nightmare for everyone uh, because it's all new territory, isn't it? And for us as a school, it has um, really highlighted, I think, for us that the, the real importance of team. And I don't want to sort of over overuse that word team, but for us, I think we have so many tiers on uh, tiers of teams uh, that for us as an SLT, that team is really important. We have a wider SLT team that is equally important. We've got the teacher teams, we've got the TA teams. It's just teams, teams, teams. But also, I think it's that the parents and children, uh, that team has been really important to us because I think their reaction to what's happened and their interaction with us has been really encouraging that we, that we, I think that the, the team, the teaching team has certainly gone out of their way to make contact with people and promote that oneness that we have, that learning together still stands. Mm. And I think that if we're reflecting the last two months, that for me has been um, something that is going to stick with me that hopefully I can take forward. Mm. Does that answer your question? It, it does. And, and just this morning, someone said to me a phrase that I think perhaps is a wee bit corny, but I'd not heard it said before. It's teamwork that makes the dream work. Uh, and certainly, corny as it is, that would be true of, in my experience of, of visiting your school, but also working with your teams. Um, from top to bottom, there is truly that shared vision and commitment to the contribution each and every one of that team can make uh, and how it interfaces with the contributions of, of others from your position through to your teaching assistants and the whole team. And I think what's really encouraging is that we have had people who have made suggestions that have made a difference to everyone. And I hope that they've been able to do that because they feel secure in coming forward with a suggestion, whether it be good, bad or indifferent. I very rarely have a good suggestion, to be honest. It always comes from someone else's thoughts or someone else's ideas. And then you, you sort of put that SLT spin on it, don't you? Because you've got all those other things that you've got to think about, health and safety and well, you name it, you, you know. So, Thank you. Yeah, Ali, what are your thoughts around um, this journey? Yes, I'm very much reflecting what um, Jason said, actually. It's about um, ensuring that whole school community, uh, children, parents, and everybody, you know, further than that, has been part of this all together. I know um, it, we know that there's been a lot of anxiety from parents, but there's also been a huge amount of anxiety from staff who aren't coming in because they feel like they can't contribute. Yeah. Yeah. As much as the staff who are coming in, um, you know, from somebody who said uh, on their first day back into work on a rotor system, it's very difficult because I haven't been able to see my very elderly parents, and yet here I am at work. And was happy to be at work, but just obviously sort of vocalizing what people were saying and thinking. Um, and so really, I think for us, it's the teams, it's been about communication, I think, and communicating with people and enabling that communication to happen effectively, whether that's from the uh, family support group, contacting our very, very vulnerable families daily, weekly, whatever that might be, contacting um uh, you know, through the teachers contacting the families who they haven't, where they've seen children not engaging with their learning and perhaps doing a 
a Zoom call or a phone call or we've even had teachers do drive-bys to make sure that the children are okay, knocking on windows to wave at them, <laughs> um, <laughs> shocking them. <laughs> we've even had even had a Mr. Cook phone call to one of the children who was not engaging with their home learning and their class teacher felt they needed a little bit of a nudge. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite effective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's about communication, I think. Um, that's been at the heart of everything for us. So it's certainly from, you know, one of the things that's really mattered. Thank you, Ali. Yeah. Um. Yes, I mean, I, I would echo what Ali said about communication. I think when this whole thing happened and... We were, like most people, in complete shock for a little while and <laughs> then started to think, right, how are we going to deal with this? Communication was the thing that we knew was going to be a huge challenge and really important, but it also had opportunities within it. Um, I think we all worried about making sure that we reached everyone, so parents, staff, children, particularly those families who we felt weren't engaging with the online learning and you know that became a real challenge for us but so we had we had to look at these barriers and find ways of overcoming them and i think our staff have really stepped up there and yeah. hopefully built some really good relationships with parents in particular I think they worked out, Anne, didn't they, that um, the kind of on the kind of remote learning or online learning where they were getting higher levels of engagement, mm. so mm. that um, they changed. Mm. I think they started very much with this is your phonics, this is mm. your maths, this is your literacy, yeah, um, and it developed really into sort of creative type activities um, where they found that the, they were getting really good engagement from the children. Yes, I mean. We did a bit of a survey maybe a week in because we wanted to be really clear who was engaging and who wasn't and find out what these barriers were. And several of the teachers came back to us and said quite clearly high engagement was with the creative, more fun things that they were, mm. they were putting online. Um, it's, it's interesting you both use the word engagement there. Um, mm. one of the things we've just been working on is some revisions to the Engagement for Learning website so that everything allies itself to the forthcoming uh, outcomes of the Rochford Review when that piece eventually ever gets into legislation, uh, but the legislation is ready to go through Parliament at some point. Um, but uh, I, I think when children come back, we also need to profile their engagement as well because the... the um, the children, when they left us, could return as very different little beings now. Uh, and surely it's how they're curious, how they investigate and explore. Those are things we want to know before we can possibly get any authentic engagement in literacy numeracy uh, and the traditional priorities uh, of the school. It's interesting you say that, Barry, because when we sent out your link about the recovery curriculum to our staff, and we asked for feedback and several of the teachers said that the key thing which you know stuck in their mind was this idea of engagement and ensuring that the children were truly engaged in their learning again so that's really important to lots of us here yes yes i wonder if we could and you've touched on the recovery curriculum there and if we could bridge to the recovery curriculum because i know you have as you've said shared it with the staff 
I know that you've had some very uh, thorough, interesting comments and, and echoing a point uh, Jason made. Uh, actually, some of your teaching assistants came up, I think Ali would agree, with some fabulous ideas, uh, having read that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, Anne, if you wanted to roll this out a little bit further for us, then please, and um, perhaps visit some of the sense of loss and experiences that you think the children will have had during this period of time, and how you might ameliorate some of those upon their return. Okay. I think there's lots of loss for lots of people, but one key group which stuck out for me as being head of school for Key Stage 2 is the Year 6 group because Year 6 is such a marker, in one of the markers in, in your life, really. And there's so much that goes on throughout that year. Yes. Children really mature over the year. They have this build-up to SATs. And then after that, you know, there's things like the residential, the end-of-term mm-hmm. production, yeah, the evening yeah. service. All, all those sorts of things which would have been happening in schools across the country. And yeah. suddenly that's been taken away. And, you know, I know the teachers in the Year 6 team have felt that strongly as yes. well. So that's... It's a profound sense of area. loss, that, isn't it? The profound... Yes. It, it, it goes back to the rites of passage thing, doesn't it? The yeah, exactly, it does. Yeah. 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 Um, but also loss in terms of, I think our staff have felt loss at not seeing people each day and not having the interaction. In a way, us as senior leaders, although at times it's been challenging and tiring, at least we've had the routine and the structure of coming in quite a lot of days. And I, I think for a lot of people, and Ali alluded to it before, particularly people who are shielding, that's yes have been very hard for them. Um, So one of the, and one of the things we've tried to do there is to, between us as a team, make regular phone calls and keep that communication going with them. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. Um, Ali, do you want to build on some of that in terms of how you're going to respond using recovery with recovery (laughs) as the children return? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the minute that we sent out the link to the recovery curriculum, um, we got such a huge amount of response back from... uh, Initially, we sent it out just to teachers, actually. That was where we started. And the responses we had back from them, they they said lots of different things, but they said a lot of the things the same, actually. Uh, They were very concerned about the children's experiences um, that we were acknowledging those coming back into school, those that were coming back into school, uh, but as worried about those children who were not going to be able to come back into school and, and also for those parents for when, you know, that was not going to be possible. Yeah. Um, so actually the, we, we had a great response from our play therapist who, um, she was sort of had mirrored very much of, you know, the thinking of the recovery curriculum in her own thoughts and, wow. um, and that was really powerful. Actually, she had um, coincidentally done um, a really great piece of work with our year sixes at the beginning of the school year, sort of preparing them for the year ahead, um, which had been very successful um, as agreed by the teachers and by the children. They'd really enjoyed that, those sort of sessions that she had led with that group. And immediately she was saying, what, what can my role be with the 
each of those groups of children who are going to be coming back to school to support the recovery curriculum approach. Um, so lots of sort of uh, really great responses from the teachers. Um, lots of talk about community projects, you know, the way that we can perhaps focus in on a project throughout the whole of, mm. from starting now, moving through to next year, because it's not going to suddenly all go away in September, is it? There's going to be this recovery. It's going to take a long, long time. Yeah, and <laughs> the uncertainties of next year are as much there as they are now, really. So trying to identify projects, that, uh, you know, people can get, a TA has gone down to the sort of back end of the school and has dug over all the old gardening plots so that gardening projects can be um, put back into place for the children. So, yes, very much I think um, the teachers are really engaged. Then we then sent out the Recovery Curriculum podcast link actually to the teaching assistants and had a truly overwhelming response from, from them too. Um, and many of those are parents. And so their responses, as I alluded to before, were really, I think, pertinent to us. And certainly something that Anne and I are currently working on with the help of a year six teacher is developing a sort of a format for parents to understand that recovery curriculum mm. from, from them and also send out the link to the podcast too. So um, hopefully it's reached sort of the whole school community. We'll, we'll be interested to follow that that through. Maybe that's something we can share on the recovery curriculum site in due course. Mm-hmm. Certainly one of the other podcasts we've just made for this series is going to include a parent uh, in working with a deputy head teacher. So, yes, yeah, that'll be, be great. That'd yeah, be, yeah. That'd be really interesting mm, to hear, yeah, actually. Yeah. And were you thinking of a dance project too, Ali? And yes, yeah, we've got um, a... Uh, <laughs> we've got a, a, we've worked with a dance troupe before, um, and it's a, a confidence is the name of the company actually. And she um, she's worked with us. We did a fully inclusive project about four years ago, five years ago, which was really powerful. And actually, um, we've made contact again about looking at developing the themes of recovery. Um, through this dance project and and sort of exploring the ideas of social isolation linked with recovery um, and it will be a whole school project. We're going to involve our choir, I think our singing, signing choir that we have within the school. Um, so actually it becomes a whole thing that we can then, what we're hoping is that then there will be a performance that may open up the new school if it is completed, when it is, when it is completed. Um, because actually that will involve um, across the whole school, inclusion across Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2, not just mainstream and special provision. Thank you, Ali. Can, Jason, can you um, just share with us your thoughts around one of the key tenets within the uh, think piece on the recovery curriculum, which was about compassionate leadership? Yeah, of course. That roll out for you? Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing for me is that uh, compassionate leadership is not the soft option I think it's more difficult to be compassionate than, than not be compassionate because it's about being thoughtful and respectful, isn't it? And it may not come as a surprise to you, Alan, but I think relationships for us here are key to that compassionate leadership. Yes. Um, so showing compassion as a leader, uh, showing compassion um, as a colleague within your teams. And I also think something that I have learned uh, through these past weeks is that Showing your vulnerability isn't always a bad thing. That as a leader, I am entitled to be equally as anxious 
as anyone else. And I think that we have all been on a journey about that. And at the, at the beginning of this, there may have been certain, uh, there may have been certain colleagues who uh, were anxious and they may have forgotten that we would have been equally as anxious and that we didn't have the answers necessarily. But actually as a team, showing your vulnerability, you know, everything's stripped back to you being a human being, that basic thing that we are all the same. We are humans and we all have our worries and hopes for the future. And I really do believe that as a team, and that's the school, parents and children included in that team, the kindness that we've shown towards each other has been something that's been really positive. And even when, yeah, when you get emails that, you know, emails are the worst thing to send at most times because they're never particularly um, uh, personal, are you? But start or receiving an email that starts with, you know, hi, Jason, how are you? Hope your team and, and everything is safe and well. That's something that really would be nice to carry on with. And, and from a personal point of view, you know, living next to um, neighbours who are fantastic uh, and we've got this stupid carrier bag that goes between us. It's not stupid at all, but there are treats in there that people bake and they leave them on the garden fence, which is, you know, just an act of kindness, which, you know, let's hope that continues. So definitely about relationships and the team and kindness. And I think some of your um, sentiment expressed in, in, in that exploration of compassionate leadership, let me just say, I think there's the most fabulous quote out at the moment from the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinta Ern, which says, um, to be compassionate does not mean that you cannot be strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we shouldn't interpret compassion as being soft. No. Um, to, to make the strong decision can be a compassionate act because ultimately it is about the safety of all so, definitely yeah. yeah yeah thank you those those were you know terrific sort of uh, insights um can we move it a little bit further now and and look forward and i wonder if each of you could share your aspiration for the going forward will it embody any of this experience or has it all been too traumatic and painful we just need to leave that behind uh, and move on, or are there lessons learned? And perhaps, you know, just thinking again, what I, uh, Jason has just said about the tone and tenor of, um, of the emails, of the, the simple acts of kindness. Um, what, what would you say? Ali, do you want to kick us off on that one? <laughs> okay, yes. Um, I think I think this sense of community that has come out of this, even though it's kind of the opposite of what it is in terms of social isolation, I think the sense of community that has come together through this has been overwhelming, actually, and very moving at times. Um, and uh, certainly the messages, you know, you send out an, an email update, Anne and I do one weekly, and as does Jason, as does the Senkos, and concentrating on different areas but the response the overwhelming response that you get from people in you know once we sent that out is always positive thank you so much um so that sort of whole sense of community i would love for that to be able to continue in the same way actually 
um, particularly moving forward with the recovery curriculum and, you know, that we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. It was lovely when um, one of our teachers redesigned the school report uh, sort of a few, well, a fair few weeks ago now, sort of almost at the start saying, well, obviously the traditional school report's not going to um, really have any value at all. <laughs> um, so she completely redesigned it and we sort of showed it to all the teachers and it has headings uh, that would reflect actually the um, engagement headings, but it, yes. it sort of celebrated children's resilience and independence, um, creativity. And I think just, I know Jason's spoken about, um, you know, ideas coming from the wider team. Um, you know, that, that was so welcomed, I think, was such a reflection of where we are all in our thinking. So my aspiration really is to truly hope that those things that we have sort of shone through so amazingly through this time, those little nuggets continue to do yeah. so and that the focus is on those things um, uh, that people that, feel that they're able to do so. Sorry. No, uh, you just used the phrase little nuggets. Um, when you just talked about the report there, I, I sat up and startled. Nobody else we've spoken to has talked about the reports and yet they're mm-hmm. such a major feature of every year, aren't they, Veva? The, yeah. the expectation mm-hmm. of parents. Uh, and you're right. If we write the reports in the traditional headings, it does not genuinely reflect the children's experience this year, or in fact, this dramatically different experience children have had to live through. And I, I just think it's incredible you've thought of that. And I know listeners are going to value it. And you, you use the word resilience uh, in that process. And, and I think there you've touched on what the end goal should be and i've been playing around even more with um some of the words i've used in the recovery curriculum and for me now it's probably the three r's that when you do get your children back it's about reconnect recovery and resilience yeah absolutely great fantastic that's really again very rich and insightful thank you um and what what would your aspiration be well, I think this whole event has caused us, caused a recalibration of what's important. Yeah. It's one of the things we said at the beginning and talked about as a team. Lots of other things that possibly we spent too much time on have just fallen away. And we've really had to focus on certain things such as communication and what's come out of it, I think, are stronger relationships and the importance of relationships between staff, with children, with parents, the whole community, really. That's one thing that I hope carries on. The other thing which has come out of the communication is the creativity and the solution and problem solving that's come from so many people um, because, as I think Jason said earlier, we can't solve it all. We're just not going to be able to do that. And we need people to come forward with ideas, and they have. So it would be fantastic if that whole thing could continue as we move forward. Absolutely. I love your word there, recalibrate. You know, we thought we got Mm. the balance right but how can we have the balance right with what the children have lived through? If we try to operate as we did, we deny that experience. It cannot be denied. It has to be interpreted 
for them. And, and I think there will be a knowledge seeking from the children. The children will want you to give them mm. some scientific answers about what was this virus that took their school and even more importantly, their friendship group away from them for two, maybe three months by the time some students get back into to school. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really important. And it could be that there's some anger about that as well with children. So I, I think that it's even more important that we give them space. As you mentioned, one of your leavers, it's really important that we give them that and that time to voice their feelings, whatever they might be. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Jason, what about your aspiration? I am thinking that it's going to be about relationships. We have totally reshaped our relationship with most people within schools. Uh, for every, you know, we've mentioned so many different examples, but for me, I think that even our relationship with government has changed, and I'm not making a political statement, uh, but it has changed, and perhaps we need to pursue that so it becomes more positive. Our relationship with our local authority has changed and I'm hoping that that will change for the better and that that relationship grows so that we have a better understanding of each other, uh, each other's context then. Yes. And yeah. our relationship with local schools <clears throat> in terms of the learning hub that we're part of, that has been uh, absolutely fantastic in terms of being able to talk to a friend, talk to someone who's going through something very similar to you, but within our own unique context, mm -hmm. and using that as a way to sort of gauge whether your response to something or your plan is reasonable. Mm -hmm. Very, very valuable. And that goes for the, the, the special school side of thing as well, because they are very different places, and the children that we um, have through our doors each day, you know, they're children. Uh, but they come with a unique set of challenges and having yes. that ability to talk to those colleagues via email or yes. Zoom or whatever you might use, so, so very important. And hopefully, you know, the relationships that we've got with parents and children now, that can, you know, the improvements that we've seen, the communication that yes. uh, you talked about, someone talked about how, you know, parents have been doing lots of the teaching. How can we harness that yeah. going yeah. forward? Um, so yeah, really refocusing on what's important as Anne said. Do you think there's been a lowering of the boundaries in all of this, Jason? I, uh, I don't think, I don't think so. I think there just may be an improved respect for what we're doing. Okay. Each of us, whether you're a parent, cause I'm a parent as well. I mean, I've got a son at home that would rather do Xbox or PlayStation than sit down <laughs> with me and learn about, you know, year eight maths. Who wouldn't? Um, so I, I think it's just a, a growing respect for what we each do and that there is, we knew all along there was a massive crossover. Yes. But perhaps this has just highlighted the fact that that crossover can be used to benefit everyone and we mustn't shy away from that. So we will have learning from this experience. Absolutely. And well, yeah, absolutely for everyone.
We've had a really rich conversation. I'm really grateful to you, Jason, Anne and Ali. Um, the insights you've shared have been just wonderful. You can, I'm sitting here almost feeling the vibrancy that I always feel whenever I enter Whitfield Aspen. It's pervaded from the three of you in the words that you've shared and, and the uh, rich insights and the, the wonderful ideas for practice uh, as ever. Uh, we're really grateful to you. And we want to wish you well on your journey of recovery for and with your children. Thank you for Thank being you, here. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find more information about the recovery curriculum at www.recoverycurriculum.org. There's links to resources, reference materials, as well as uh, video slide decks. Barry Carpenter's webpage is www.barrycarpentereducation.com and the homepage for the podcast is www.learningshared.org. You can email us at learningshared at theteachcloud.net or tweet us at underscore learningshared. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and please do get in touch with feedback if you'd like to either suggest a topic for a future episode or if you'd like to be involved in any way. Finally, you're welcome to join the conversation via one of our online communities of practice. We've got groups on Facebook and LinkedIn and details are on the Recovery Curriculum and Learning Shared webpages. You can search for Recovery Curriculum as a group inside Facebook. So for now, thanks again for listening. Stay safe and be well.